we're recording. Apologies for the delivery scooter men revving outside my window. <laughs> this is Beyond the Pass. Conversations with people from all walks of hospitality life. Centering mental health, Beyond the Pass is a conversation about life, hospitality and what makes us get out of bed each day. Welcome back to Beyond the Pass. We are so excited to be sitting down with Olegide Alibi. Olegide is an equality, equity, and inclusion disruptor and the co-founder of Sisu, an equality, equity, inclusion, and well-being consultancy. They come from a rich hospitality background and are committed to disrupting the status quo in the industry and beyond. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I just want to start by asking how you started in the industry. What was that first job? How did you um, get the bug? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I actually said, like to say to people that I feel like I was born into hospitality. Like my my actual my 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 aunt used to do catering, and I used to go with her to these events and cater with her all the time. And and yeah, that was kind of like our thing. Um, but yeah, no, that's not that wasn't my first job. But my first job was at school at your GCSEs. I think it's GCSE level. You have to do a work experience. Um, and my work experience was um, at TGI Fridays um, uh, in Watford, where I, I was grew- growing up, um, and and I absolutely loved it. I worked in TGI Fridays as a busser. Um, I helped like run food and stuff, and had the best like week experience working there. Um, and they, it was attached to a Premier Inn as well, so I did a, a couple of days in the hotel as well, the hotel reception. It was a bit bit, bit, bit basic now for work experience. <laughs> <laughs> but back then it like blew my mind and I was like this is it I'm sold uh, um, and that and then after that I I asked them if I can come and work there and they and they offered me a job as a busser so that was my first job why did you choose hospitality out of like I suppose there I don't I didn't go to school here but I imagine there's like loads of different options that you can sort of work experience what was it about that um, um I think for me I really enjoyed the idea of food <laughs> No, I, so I always, I've always had this connection to food and to catering because of my auntie um, and you know growing up with her. And I guess for me, I always my my when I when I watched her growing up with the catering side of things, I always said to her, I want to do what you're doing, but I want to do better. So I said to her, I want to open my own restaurant. And my my whole thing was always, I want to open my own restaurant. I had a little book when I was younger. Um, of these restaurant idea and like what the name would be and like what I would serve and like even throughout school and college I would fill in that I'd add stuff to that book uh, and the restaurant was going to be called OJ's I mean really not very creative uh, <laughs> um, but at the time I was like I'm going to blow out the world and take the world and storm my restaurant um, but yeah that was that was why I wanted to do it I think that was what and then when I got into it I think what made me love it so much was the idea of I didn't know who I was. I didn't really know who I was and what I wanted to, who I wanted to really be and what my like my stamp on the world was going to be. And I felt like I didn't really have to explain myself to anyone when I went and worked at, in a hospital. Like at TGI Fridays, I remember everyone was so different. There were so many different types of people um, wearing different types of clothes and makeup, and some of the boys had nail polish. And I was like, "Whoa, this is like cool." 
and everyone was just like and I was really I was really body conscious as well and I was really you know I was really conscious of my colour of my skin and I, it was so many things going on and I didn't have to I didn't have to worry about that here I was just like I'm gonna be free so yeah that was that was hospitality for me that was what made me I guess take that leap of faith into the industry I think that's so interesting and it's something that I haven't thought about in a long time but I've experienced this working at restaurants, I've experienced it hiring people. If somebody shows up and they smash it and they're great at the job, you're like, great, I don't care. Uh, literally about yeah. anything else. Like, particularly people are at that age who are coming in and just learning and busting or doing whatever. If you come in and you work hard, people are like, great, this guy's on my team. And there isn't yeah. like, in a way that I think other industries are, and I mean, don't get me wrong, hospitality, I think as you move up, it gets to that point in a way that's like absolutely horrific and I'm sure we'll come around to that later in our conversation. But at that entry stage and when you're working on the floor, yeah, I, rem I experienced the same thing, that lack of consciousness where it was just like boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden you had all these friends or these connections with all these different people. Yeah, I think, I think you, um, you don't realise the power that hospitality has in the way that you see the world until you're in it. I think a lot of people just see it as, as hospitality is like the, the stopgap between other things and you don't realise that it could be a stopgap for many people but also like there are so many amazing life skills that you pick up from working in hospitality and like that was what I got from from you know starting at TGI Fridays was that life skills and the confidence to be able to have, com I think I was quite shy in some respects to a certain extent um, and I think I was able to then put myself forward to have conversations with people that I wouldn't normally converse with. Um, I was able to, you know, TGI Fridays, you have to really make a fool of yourself sometimes in certain, <laughs> yeah. on certain ships where you're like literally singing, singing the birthday song in front of the whole restaurant and like putting myself into those situations really, really gave me, I guess, an, an edge um, to to most people who go and work in an, straight in an office, and you don't, you can't, you can't be wacky or wild and loud, and you know, do whatever you want. So yeah, I think people forget that that there's so many other skills that you pick up in the hospitality world. Did you start to understand it at a certain point as a career? Like, did you always have that mindset that like I'm here to stay, or was there stuff that happened or experience you had where you're like, oh, I guess this is what I, this is my living now. This is really what I want to do. And I want to figure out how to pursue it. I would say my dream was always to pursue hospitality. Um, I come from a, um, a, an African, my, my parents are Nigerian, my parents are Nigerian. Um, and they, you know, in, in the, our culture, I guess, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be an accountant, you have to be a doctor, you kind of have, those are the kind of three paths that you, you have to kind of decide on whether or not you want to choose. And, and, and for, for them, that was, for me going to them, telling them that I wanted to do, or open my own restaurant or be a chef, they were just like, that's not a job. Like that's not a job that's going to see into the future. So unfortunately that kind of pipe dream that I had kind of got changed and that direction got kind of moved away from hospitality um when I, and I got told I had to go so I studied hospitality uh, management at college um and, and then after that my parents were like you need to go to university um and so at that point I think that was when I was like okay maybe I won't be able to do 
this career um, and I went to university and I actually studied events management which is quite closely connected to hospitality. With, <laughs> I see what you did there, I see what you did. Don't, don't, <laughs> tell, my pa- don't tell my parents. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went and did hospitality, I went to do events management at Leeds Met and and actually, I continued working in hospitality whilst I was at uni, so I still had my feet in 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 in, in the industry. Um, and because of that, I was working my way up the ladder, I guess, in terms of you know getting up to supervisor and then and then assistant manager. Um, and and then it was it wasn't until after I graduated when I was like, I don't really know what I want to do, but I was working in a restaurant and I was an assistant manager that I was like, I'm just going to stay doing this, like. This is this is what I like doing. I can make a career from it. I've spoken to loads of people that have made careers from it. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And it wasn't until I graduated that I realised that I'm yeah, I'm just going to stay. Um, I'm interested in what sparked the transition into working not just in diversity inclusion, but also just in advocacy in general. Do you remember something particular that happened, or was it sort of a lifetime of accumulated experience that? made you want to step into a different responsibility in terms of your career? It was a lifetime of trauma that led me into the work that I do now in advocacy and and, and, D, and DEI, I guess. I think, unfortunately, as, um, as you know, as, as a young black man in the UK, um, you know, life has not always been easy. Um, and I'd faced a lot of adversity, you know, I'd had, I felt like I've had to change who I am on so many occasions, and I've had to switch my personalities. Um, and, and I found it really tormenting inside the, throughout the whole process of moving around in the industry. But I didn't really feel like I, that feeling that I got right at the beginning when I was at TGI Fridays, I didn't get that feeling again for a long, long time. And I really, uh, I really yearned for that just being able to feel like you could really bring your whole authentic self to work and no one was going to judge you. Um, and, and so that that kind of, after getting, I mean, it was years and years and years of trauma and then sitting down and going, why can't I feel how I did when I was 15? When I just wanted to work, I could just go into work and just have the best time and not feel like I had to be someone else. So it was that yearning for that feeling. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get that feeling again because I was 15 and now I'm 35. So, you know, I... <laughs> But I, I, I need to figure out why and how that's been lost along the way. Um, and so that was that was how I guess I got into it. And there was so many other incidents that happened in, in different workplaces that, you know, I, you know, I face, I face I've seen a, a lot of um, homophobia and heard homophobia. I've heard you know, misogyny. I've, I've, I've just I've had racism. Um, and I, you, 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 you mount them all up and you go something needs to give, like something needs to change. We're not, we're not doing the right thing, especially in hospitality where we do have um, a lot of people from diverse backgrounds and from marginalised communities. And I was like, it's annoying me because I speak so highly of hospitality, but yet I realise hospitality is actually quite a dangerous place for people. 100%. And when you go to make a recommendation of somebody, if they come to you and they're like, oh, I really need a new job, where do you think I should work? And you're running through a list in your head being like, don't know if they'll feel safe there, don't know if they'll be safe there, don't know if they'll be safe there. It does mm. make you reflect on the industry and be like, oh no, like fuck me, right? And yeah, and I think the thing the thing was is that I think I, there was it's, I don't know, I can't remember what the moment was, but I, it was maybe when I was working in recruitment because I worked in recruitment for over ten years, and 
and, and I think when, at that point, everywhere I went to work, everyone was always saying about how diverse hospitality was and how amazing it was. And, and so because of that, no one was really doing any work on top of that. It was like, because we're diverse, we're doing everything we need to do and we're ticking all the boxes. But it was like, okay, yeah, you're really diverse, but we're really that's really dangerous because you're so diverse but you're not doing anything else to protect those people that are that are running your businesses and that are driving sales for you you're not making sure that they do feel included and they can be the authentic sales so yeah that was that was kind of like that was the spark that was like okay what can I do um, and I've always been this person that's like very much driven in around how to make change and how to make an impact like I remember my dad saying to me I think before saying like what when you leave this world what do you want to be remembered as and I've always said like you know when I was younger I was like oh, I want to be remembered as like you know the best chef in the world or something like that and and you know as I've grown up I've realized that that is amazing but I'd rather be remembered for making some actual some actual change um and, and you know my, my parents always said, used to say to me that you know there's racism in this country is never going to change and you know there's still going to be discrimination for, for for people from from our background and stuff like that and I'm like that's that's the wrong attitude to have uh, and I don't want to grow up and have that attitude in in 20 30 years time so yeah that's what that's what sparked you bring up something so interesting where if that's the message you get all the time then you grow up with the experience of feeling like that's inevitable and therefore yeah. the impetus or the believing or understanding that you might have power to change your situation at work and relationship, etc. That must have been such an interesting journey for you. Oh, I hate using the word journey, but to, <laughs> to realize that like, oh no, there actually are actionable things that do move the dial. Yeah. And I think, I think there was, for me, what I really, really noticed was that there was a lack of education, Like that was it. Like, we, I remember going into um, a meeting uh, with in in a, in a business and, and and talking to someone, and they just were using so many terminology, so much terminology that I was just like, "Whoa, you shouldn't be using that. You shouldn't be saying that." And then when and actually when I then spoke about it with a friend afterwards, and they were like, "Oh, I didn't don't, didn't know what's wrong with using that term or what's wrong with using that term," and I was like, "Okay, there's definitely a." a um what's the a lack of connection here with people that aren't maybe in from a marginalized community understanding what marginalized communities have to go through and, st and vice versa um and there was a lack of that connection and i realized that the connection and like shared vocabulary yeah it was it was the shared the lack of connection was that we just had never anywhere along the way learned about how to communicate with one another which sounds really silly but really basic we don't you go to school you learn about the English and maths and science and geography and all the other languages. But, you know, back in my school days, you don't learn about different cultures, different communities. You don't learn about discrimination. You don't learn about how to communicate with different types of people and things you should and shouldn't say and leading with empathy. None of that stuff has been taught at school, at university. So you go all the way through life and then you're thrown into the working environment and you're just expected to just know this. So I, so I really had to take a step back and go, well, actually, I can't blame people for being the way that they are. It's because of the society that we live in, unfortunately. Um, and that's why when we, when, I, when we set up Sisu, it was all about sharing knowledge and sharing and passing knowledge and education and, and actually taking people on a 
journey um, uh, of, of exploration and, and, and understanding and, and leading with empathy. Can you tell me a little bit more about what Sisu does? I mean, I have a vague idea, but I think a lot of folks that work front of house or back of house, they're like, what, a, what, a consultancy? Like, pardon? Like, I think <laughs> there's often like, and I think this is actually a huge issue, but there's also often very little understanding um, between customer facing roles and then everything else. Um, and yeah. I'd be really curious to hear you just explain a little bit more about what that work. And when you go into restaurants, what, what do you do? What's happening? So I'll tell you, CC was founded uh, three years ago, uh, coming up to three years, um, from a need, like I said, to share knowledge, experiences, and to create, I always call them like real life aha moments where you go, oh my God, yeah, I should, I shouldn't say that. Oh my God, I didn't realise that was going to mean, that was going to affect someone in that way. And all these moments we're trying to create are around the space of equality, equity, inclusion, and, and well-being. Um, because I think there's no way of doing the, the equality, equity and inclusion without thinking about how it impacts people's well-being and mental health because it's all hand in hand. So it's created by, you know, two passionate disruptors. We like to call ourselves disruptors, like myself myself and my, one of my best friends, Louisa. We collaborated um, together and we now work with businesses, charities, schools to embed impactful and long-term equity, equality and inclusion and well-being practices. And CC does this by by capturing the essence of creativity and using that to connect with people. And we really believe we believe that it's all about how you educate and how you share those experiences without making people feel like they're alienated. Because that's one thing that I've actually been through a training within the the EEI space, and I've left feeling like I'm a bad person, and I've left feeling really shit about myself. And actually that's what, and then you don't feel like you feel, some people then don't feel like they can voice their opinions. So we want to make sure that people don't feel alienated and that they can voice their opinions. Um, And we use the power of storytelling um, and interaction to enhance trust and and to bring the workshops that we do to life. Uh, We run various types of workshops um, from, you know, uh, depending on what the business objectives are, from things like um, just understanding the basics of diversity, equity, equality and inclusion to gender expression to unconscious bias. Um, and we also run things like talk lounges, which um, we would I would I would describe Louisa always says the ology day would describe it as an Oprah <laughs> show because I used to love watching Oprah and I and I just love the way that she used to bring people on to talk about a certain topic and then get the interaction of the audience to bring it all to life um, and we kind of do that with what we call the talk lounge where we pick a topic we discuss it we we discuss it on on a sofa if you want um, and we discuss it bring it to life and then we take the audience participation to kind of spark more curiosity and, and conversation. Um, and we provide an array of different ser- other services from strategy development to surveys to listening groups to events. We do the works. Um, but the word itself, Sisu, is, is so powerful. It's actually um, a unique Finnish concept. Um, and it's roughly translated in English um, as strength of will, determination, perseverance and acting rationally in the face of adversity. So Sisu is not momentary courage, but the ability to sustain the courage. And we, when this, when uh, Louisa actually found the word, and when she found the word and sent it to me, I literally cried because I was like, it completely encapsulates the work that we do and the individuals that we work with within the varying communities that we support. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what Sisu is is all about, I guess, and and how we and how we came about and what we do. What was the experience of? bringing it or of launching it 
what was the industry response and how did you sort of navigate that first like year or so uh literally like a deer in headlights um <laughs> so take, take your time um so no no that that was literally what i felt it was like we were like doing oh. headlights we were, literally, we were literally we were literally like what is going on we're launching yeah. a business that was literally us yeah. um so we launched it in the middle of the panorama um and george floyd was murdered um and luckily because of the connection I have and the network I have in the hospitality industry, we were we were very fortunate that a lot of people lent on us to support them with comms uh, and with social media and stuff like that, with just helping them with how to speak to people and how to communicate stuff. So we wrote a lot of comms, and then we start then we started off by doing a lot of anti racism workshops, um, and that was kind of how we spearrocketed into into the world of of this work. Um, and, and, and that's how um, I started working. We started working closely with Turtle Bay um, because we went in and did some, some consulting and training with them. Um, um, and, and, and yeah, that's kind of how we got into it. And I think when we started, I would honestly say that we didn't have any idea where we were going to go with it. And, and kind of, we just knew that we wanted to start having conversations with businesses. And we also knew that we just wanted to get this training material out there um, and show people that there is a way to learn about this in a fun, engaging way that also sparks curiosity and interest. Um, and 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 we were because of the panorama. We obviously were doing a lot of it virtually. And when as soon as we were allowed out, we were so excited to go go and do like training workshops face to face with people because virtual is fine and it works for some people. But the feeling and the energy that you feel in a room when you're doing this face-to-face is like no other. Um, and actually what we started to find was that when we did some of the sessions face-to-face, we had so many emotional moments where people were really tapping into stuff that that, were, that was triggering and traumatic for them. And they were really opening up and sharing, which is why we say to people like there's no re- there's no there's no way that you can do this well without thinking about well-being and mental health because it literally if you don't feel like you belong or you've had some traumatic experience at work, it is going to affect your your well-being. It's going to affect your mental health. I know from experience that I have, it's affected my, my well-being and my mental health. So I just feel like there's no way it doesn't just, it doesn't work hand in hand. Um, and, and actually when we started, we didn't realise it until we really got into it, how impactful doing the work together and mm-hmm. really was. Mm-hmm. It's like research that we stumble across in mental health work all the time is that any marginalized group that has to code switch, whether that's somebody who's queer or it's a racial minority, whatever the case might be, anyone who experiences code switching, particularly around family, around work life, the impact of that and the statistically like the rates of poor mental health are extraordinarily higher. Mm. And so I think in environments like hospitality, where in a sense, it's not code switching, but like wearing a mask and putting on a fake version of your personality is literally part of the job. You know, you're like, oh my God, this table, they are such assholes. And then you're like, hey guys, margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, in that sense, it's a little bit embedded. But if you're then doing double or triple time because you can't show up as yourself, you can't show up in your humanity, that double or triples the amount of trauma that you're taking home after working the shift. Mm, yeah and that is so dangerous it really it really really is and I think I don't even think that people really understand 
how like that that basic thing that you've just said and described. I don't think a lot of people understand that, and I and I think it's only just now that it's a shame. It's only just now that really people are starting to take this work seriously when it comes, especially when it comes to well being. Um, and, and and I think it's 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 a relief, but I also really want to see more from the hospitality sector because of the fact that we are so diverse and because we do already create an environment that can already affect people's well-being as you just said but also we are putting people in front of potential um situations where they may face discrimination where they may have a, a guest walk in and say something or or use the wrong language to communicate themselves to to an employee or a team member so it's just about like really giving the teams the tools to be able to have those conversations and report things because I think that was the other thing as well that I've really started to I've really started to see more of is that it's it's teaching people how to speak to one another but also how do you then report it to a manager and how do you then how do managers then deal with having that conversation because if you're a manager and someone comes up to you and says oh, I, I especially if they're shy or they're not like that forthcoming they go I think a guest just made a, ra- a slur a racial slur to me or they've been really sexist or something and then the manager goes oh right okay well just give them just just like give them the bill and like yeah we'll just like yeah and just and yeah they'll they'll leave they're leaving eventually anyway they're on their they're on their main course like if that is the response that's not then supporting the person that's then come and reported it to them. So I feel like there's a lack of how do you have those difficult conversations? Like, how do you actually make someone feel like you've really seen them and listened to what they've said and they feel like they are being supported? Because that is how you're ensuring that, that someone is included. Um, and that's 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 quite a difficult thing to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's also counter, I mean, I've had conversations before where I've asked, you know, what's your policy if customers are being abusive towards your staff in any way? And the answer, mm. the amount of times that it depends on how much their bill is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm dear. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's not great. <laughs> um, so, you know, it depends on if they're high spenders or not. And the places that are doing, in my mind, a great job are people who have a zero tolerance policy. So they're like, if anything gets flagged to a manager, not only do they have to report it formally into our HR, it also means that those guests not only don't stay, they also aren't welcome back. And that is putting your business behind your employees and your employees are the only reason you make any fucking money. No offense to like, you know, your food and your ambiance and how it smells in the bathrooms, <laughs> but like, if you have a good experience with, your, with floor staff, you're gonna return to that restaurant again and again and again. And, and that's why it always world. says people first. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, s- I cut you off. I was just no, 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 completely. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's when like, I feel like it's it's so annoying that people don't see that people have to come first. Um, that if you don't put your people first and make sure that your people are a hundred percent feeling like they are meant to be in the space that they're in, that they will then your business won't thrive. Like. And I feel like you give people the stats about retention and you give people the stats about, you know, why the why EDI work is so important. But it's like it doesn't really it doesn't really hit home, really, until 
you might get a, a you might get someone that leaves and it's like a someone that's I don't know a GM of a big site and the GM leaves and they're like I'm leaving because I'm can't, I don't feel supported I don't feel seen I don't feel like you listen to me and then they go oh right we need to start making sure that we listen to our teams more but at that point you've already lost someone like I feel like that's the point that then people start to wake up and that shouldn't be the point you're waking up it should be the point like you should be preventing it rather than what's the word what's the other thing when you're not preventing it you're What's like, the word I'm looking for? Like, um, like placating it or like, um, oh, I know. It's like when you're responding to something as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, like, yeah. We, we get it. We know what you mean. Um, we get what we... We yeah, get it. You're basically putting out the fires instead of like preventing the fires from happening. And like, I feel like we're... I feel like hospitality is so good at putting out the fires. And I really want us to be start really planning ahead so that we don't ever get those mm-hmm. fires. And it's also fascinating because I think, one, the amount of folks that do exit interviews, it's not that high. I don't think I ever had one in a job that I had up until two years ago. And when we have exit interviews, say I don't feel supported. If there was incidents of racism or sexism or homophobia, I wouldn't necessarily know, depending on my own, where I grew up, what my education is around all of this stuff, the kind of people I'm around. I wouldn't necessarily know that that was why I didn't feel supported. And if I did know that was why, I wouldn't necessarily have the language or feel like it was safe to be transparent about what that experience was. And so you have this, I think it's very underreported for lack of a better word. And that is also part of the work is not only do places have to show up, we also have to empower people with the language and tools to understand their own experiences. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that's a, that's a really good really good point have Mm. you noticed industry changes since you sort of started and in that first year or so and to now do you see a shift in the winds or do you still see a lot of the same stuff that you did even when you were working as a teenager or through your 20s i think there has definitely been a huge shift in more conversations around this space um, I'm trying to be politically correct um, <laughs> with what I say, but no, I think I think the I think the 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 crux of it is yeah, there is still a lack of representation in hospitality, and that still hasn't changed since I was in in hospital since I started hospitality. So that hasn't changed. Um, there is still a, I think a culture of of um, this banter culture or this old school mentality of, you know, it's fine to, you know, slap a slap someone's ass or, you know, talk 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 um inappropriately to someone in the workplace. There's still this culture, um, and there's still this culture of of um excessive drinking and drug drug use and da 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 which hasn't changed. And that's what I'd like to see the shift of is is this old school culture that we seem to have stuck with for the last 20 years that needs to change because that's the only way that um i think more people will feel like they can come and work in this in the sector and more people will feel like they are included and i've had a couple of conversations with people where they're like oh yeah i just don't bother i don't bother socializing with anyone from work because all they ever do is drink or um oh i know that they're they're, they're, it's a it's a boys club so i'm not going to bother going out with them because it's just all boys do you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. we just we need to that that shouldn't be happening anymore that Mm -hmm. shouldn't be a thing 
Well, I think there's very little industry recognition of the, because I think it, I want to, I not be politically correct, but also be generous to the fact that like, it's very exhausting work. It's short on time and money and that's a reality, but yeah. it is, like the hospitality industry is born out of white supremacy. It's born out of patriarchy. It's born out of misogyny. Those are kind of the same things, but you get it. Like the foundation is rotten and like, <laughs> it, it is right. So we go and we're like, okay, I had a really good manager or I finally had a boss that looked like me and understood what I was experiencing on the floor or in the kitchen, or I finally worked at a place that had a great sexual harassment policy. That's amazing. But that doesn't shift the tide because we will not acknowledge that the system is so fucked. And I don't know if I have a broader point or if I'm just complaining, but it's like, I think that there's a real, that sense, and I think this happens all the time where if restaurants aren't doing like E&I stuff, they're like, oh yeah, we don't have a problem with that. And I'm yeah. like, okay, but if, if you're not looking closely or if you're not paying attention, that's different than not having a problem with it. Yeah. How much, right? how much, how, how much are you actually, get, how how much are your ears to the ground? How much are you listening to what's going on on the floor, on the ground? Because actually nine times out of ten, there there is probably real... There are maybe only isolated and really small things, but they are happening in your business. And like, from, you know, from whether it's sexual harassment, racism, misogyny, whatever, unfortunately, that they are happening. It's not just in our industry, it's happening. It's happening all over the world, in every industry. It's happening in our, in our government, for God's sake. You know what I mean? Like, so there is no way that your your business is not going to be happening. It's somehow exempt 100%. And, like, if you can acknowledge that, and particularly after, I love that you keep calling it, what do you keep calling it, the Pandora? No, the panorama. The panorama. <laughs> especially after the panorama, and it brought so much, like, systematic racism into, like, ignorant white people's consciousnesses in a new way. Mm, mm. And consciousnesses? We're not sure. But I think... If you can acknowledge that there's racism in the world, why would you possibly feel that your business was somehow exempt? Like if you're like, it, it's happening over there and it's happening here and it's happening everywhere. Oh my God, government, police, education, blah, blah, blah. And you think that your business somehow has just like avoided that altogether? Yeah, right? That, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't think, especially if we're speaking about hospitality in general, I just still think that every business has a lot of work to do when it comes to representation. So there is still a gender di uh, disparity, there is still a race disparity, um, and, and so I'm like, you know, they've still got a lot of work to do in that space, so there's no business that can sit back and go, oh, actually, no, we're all right, we're good, just, you yeah, know, we're good. It's like resting on your laurels for some reason, like, why? Why do you think just because, what, because you have given money to charity, that you're... Now, what are all okay from doing any other work? But this is like the real, I think, why representation is such an important part of the puzzle. In hospitality, the people that are doing the majority of the labor, the majority of the employees, look nothing like and do not share life experience with the people making decisions. Mm, yeah. The more the representation improves and the more that there's actual diversity and equity in the power or like in the decision maker circle mm. in the circles with power the system will get better for everybody else and i think it's that gap that like is the thing that prevents us as an industry from being a truly safe 
place for people to be and to develop their careers and to show up as themselves. I think the the thing that people always forget is that because people always think that because they've built their businesses that and they've built the businesses from you know strong values and their values are this da -da 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 -da, that they're okay. But unfortunately, you have to go back way, way, way back to how, you know, history and society and there are systematically issues in the way that there are system, systematic issues in our society that we cannot change. And it's really about being more aware of those systemic issues around gender equality, around race equality that you go, actually, you know, regardless of if I, my values are, are aligned and they're perfect, there are things that generally, there are barriers for a lot of people for in certain places, in certain marginalised communities in getting into work and actually understanding how you mitigate those barriers or how you support so you entry in, into certain roles is how your business is going to improve um, and get better with representation. And I think... I think if you are sitting there going, oh yeah, but our business is fine, and not thinking about what, well, actually, there's systemic issues, um, then then you're you've got your head in your sand, haven't you, really? And that's and that's a hard. I think that's a hard thing as well. And I think the the focus that a lot of businesses I have seen over the last, especially over the last two years, has been around diversity, um, because people are so focused on making sure that they're diverse. And I think. I, I literally can't stop shouting the drum, which is that, you know, diversity is not the issue that we have here. And di the diversity and representation, very two different things, very, very different. Um, and you can continue to say that you're diverse, 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 and you can continue to recruit loads of loads of diverse people. But if those diverse people are coming in and they're staying at the same level and they're not getting up to any leadership or exec mm -hmm. role, then, then, then you have still got a problem. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And I think the diversity conversation becomes about optics. And yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That becomes very dangerous. And it also, when you can focus on that and get a pass from, not, I shouldn't say a pass, but like, I think if your hiring pool is quite diverse, you as a business, if you aren't educated, can be like, oh yeah, we're doing, we're actually doing really good. And that's fine. You don't have the education to understand that that's not equity. Yeah. And that yeah. that doesn't mean people in your business are being allowed to prosper. And I think that's what makes, not to like blow smoke up your ass, but I think that's what makes the work that Sisu does so important is because I think even what you said before is like, it's not about calling someone an idiot or calling somebody a racist. It's about giving them the information that they need to see what's happening in their business clearly and genuinely make improvements because most people, most business owners, it, they want to succeed financially, and most of them also want people to not hate them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, not hate their jobs. They want them to love the restaurants. They want them to love the brands. Yeah, and that's exactly. What you're giving them is a tool, and I think it's disappointing how many folks don't see it that way and, and are think, scared of it. I think uh, fear is such um, an all-encompassing emotion and, and mm -hmm. takes over, but I also feel like a lot of people use the excuse of there's just no budget, where there's there, mm. we've got, we've got the, we haven't got the budget, we haven't got the budget for it, mm -hmm. and I'm always like, what you're saying to me, what I'm interpreting, what you're said is that you don't think that 
paying to ensure that your team feel like they're included and they belong or that you're improving the representation of your business is is it's not worth anything for you it's not important for, to you that's what i'm hearing and i don't think people generally intentionally want to say that but that is what they're say- that is what they're saying when they turn around and go oh I've, we've just got no budget um for this right now and i'm like yeah so you just don't care like you you don't care because if you really care you'll make it work you'll make it happen well, and also, if you're talking to a leadership team that's totally white, they don't understand that how important it is. They mm. genuinely don't. They haven't had that lived experience. They will never understand what that feels like. And so it's very easy for them to compartmentalize it and be like, oh, we'd love to, but we just don't have the money right now. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if the majority of your employees or even some of your employees, like, that isn't good enough. And I do, like, it's interesting to me when you start to break down like we do this with mental health services to kind of like Trojan horse them into businesses that are resistant is like, if we break down the cost of our service per employee per month yeah, and you're spending like eight pound 50 per employee every month on perk box, which I'm sorry, like no one is using or maybe like yeah. people are like going to one yoga class. So <laughs> you're right. You're doing that, but you're telling me that like three pound a month per employee to help support their mental health. That that's, where you draw the line like but mm. I think I also do want to be careful in that like I, I really don't think most people are poorly intentioned I think it's very very rare to actually see that breakdown and be like oh my god what are we doing and they need yeah. like I think the, the so the thing for me is that the fact that you have to break it down is is is, is, a, is but, it's yeah. not I mean it's like yeah yeah oh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're like, it's not I'm, great, I'm, is it? It's not. It's so yeah. not good that I'm having to break it down to you to be like, for each employee, this is how much it costs. It's just like, you should just go, and I love it when, because actually we have worked with a couple of clients now where they're just like, it's not about the money. We just need to make sure it's the right thing. It lands at the right time um, and that it's, in, it's impactful and that we actually are able to monitor how it how it, how impactful it is. And I go, okay, it's amazing. And it's, it's really rare to find that, but I think it's it's when people come into it with, oh, we haven't got the budget, we haven't got the money, I always get like, I'm always a bit like, well, it's not about the money. You should never, if, the, if you're bringing money into this conversation now at this early stage, it means you don't actually understand the power of what is going to happen when you actually invest in this. Um, and that's where I, I start to... I start to try and figure out how to change... I'm still working on it. How do you change the mindset of people who are... And I get it. I, I completely understand it. Don't make, I, don't, I don't want to come across like I'm naive or like I don't understand the fact that, you know, we are in a... We are in a well, we're in a recession, whether or not we want to call it a recession or not. We're in a recession. You know, <laughs> the cost of living is ridiculous at the moment. Things are going up and people aren't necessarily spending money as they used to. I completely understand that. But if your business is to succeed and continue succeeding and you want to stand out from the rest of the crowd, uh, do you believe that you do have to make sure that you are doing something in, to look after your team when it comes to EDI? I also think that a lot of people go to restaurants because they know that the team, they can feel it. When you walk into a restaurant, you can feel whether or not a team feels like they belong. You can tell if a team is happy like I've been, I went to a restaurant not long ago. I'm not going to name any names. But I went to this restaurant, and, and as soon as you walked in, you just felt like there was a tension. The the door host was like, 
the door host was angry. The manager was running around like a headless chicken. Everyone just seemed really like on edge. And then the waitress came over and did not, I kid you not, took our order, did not look at us once. At, like took our order, was face down and in the iPad thing, took our order, read it back and then left. And I literally turned around to my friend and I was like, yeah, this place is not good. Like, this is not a good place to be. Like, it's not a nice energy. You don't feel it from the team. And that's what I mean when I go back to my, like, the original from the start, from, like, the, my my day one, which is TGI Fridays. I remember walking into work every day feeling so happy. And the whole time you were there, you were happy. You were like, having fun. Every, the, you were having fun. The world around you stopped and you were having fun. You forgot about your worries. And the, the guests then fed off that fun and that energy and that buzz and I just feel like, yeah, that's what people are dying for when they go into restaurants, is that escapism, that fun, that energy. Um, and that can't come when people don't feel like they belong and they don't feel like they can get it. And they also, not even just they don't feel like they belong, but not, not even feeling like you can go anywhere. Like, I can, you can feel like you belong, right? You can go, oh, yeah, I actually do. I feel like I belong. I feel like I'm great. Like, everyone's really treated equally here, but... I'm not going anywhere here. Like this is just this is just a stopgap for me because I know that I can't get to management here because yeah they just don't promote people like me, and then and then you go well that's that's a problem, that's that's really bad. So you know there's oh god you can tell I'm very passionate about this. I just I just I just want to see more. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think you bring up something so important that we forget particularly because we're in a cost of living crisis, particularly because like the world is an actual dumpster fire <laughs> is that it's like hospitality is fun. Like there's so much about it that is so fun. And mm. if you're creating an environment as an employer where everybody feels like shit, you shouldn't, you have no business Do it. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. something Paris Bagrashi says this, and I think it's so smart. She says, when I talk about well-being with employers, I go back to the basics, and the basics are hospitality is about taking care of people, and the only way you can take care of people is if you're taking care of yourself. So as an employer, it's your job to take care of the employees, and it is the employee's job to take care of the customer. And when you skip that, and you're like, um, the employees would really love it, or like the customers would really love us to be open until seven in the morning, um, and we're going to serve flaming drinks that take 17 minutes to make, and we've got a capacity of 300. You're making a decision based on the well-being of the guest. That's not your job as an employer. Take care of your yeah. people, and yeah. that's what hospitality should be. Did, did I have an Oprah? What are you? A real life aha? I don't. Aha! Uh-huh. You just yeah, you did. You yeah. had an aha moment. Yeah. Where I'm just like, fuck me. That's it. Yeah, it and really is, isn't it? Because without it, the industry won't survive. That's the way to survive. You bring it back to the simple, like, always bring it back to the basics. And that is like, bring it back to the basics. Look after your people, your people look after your guests, you make money. Simple mm-hmm. as. Mm-hmm. That's it's it. Just not, it's, it's not difficult. But I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's one of those where you, you sit back and you go, but why is it that everyone else doesn't realise this? Why is it? <laughs> You just want to shake everyone and be like, why can't you see this? Um, but it's, it's it's wild, isn't it? Because I feel like people do see it, but I think they've got this. So this is this is a bit this is a bit of a possibly a pessimistic way of looking at. It, but I think people see it and they realise that they need to do it. But they're in this this they're in this battle of, but we haven't got the money to spend on it. And what if I spend the money on it and you know we don't get the return because business might drop this year? Blah blah blah. 
And I think a lot of people made a lot of commitments in, in 2020 to their teams about what they were going to do around the space of DEI. And I think, unfortunately, they haven't followed through. And I think that's going to start... Have, that's what is having an effect on why people are like, well, I'm just not going to work there if they're not going to be holding themselves accountable for the things that they said they were going to do. Um, and, I, and, I, and I did a training workshop the other day with a group of young people, and they were so... They was just... I don't want to say woke, because I really don't like the word woke, but they were so awake and aware of this space and about the things that businesses should be giving them and how they should feel and I was like whoa I was like this is the first time I've done a session where it's just young people and I was like oh wow okay yeah these people are gonna hold this business accountable for every last bit of shit that they do so you better beware because and I think that's that shift is happening now because especially hospitality because Again, hospitality, I think we are quite ageist. You know, you we, 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 there's, you get to a certain age and you're kind of like thrown to pasture. Also, so to be fair, the... the work ruins your body and the pace sucks. So I think once you hit your <laughs> early 30s, 35, you genuinely have to progress out of customer facing because you can't afford to stay. But also, yeah. yes, it's very ageist. Both those things are true. <laughs> but I think because of the fact that it is ageist, right, we are always looking, we're always getting younger and younger and younger. And so for that reason, if, we're, if we are not holding ourselves accountable and saying, promise, doing what we said we're going to promise to do, these these youngsters, are, they're, they're going to they're gonna cancel us. They're going <laughs> to can, cancel us. And like that can be so detrimental to your business. Um and as soon as one person says one bad thing about you, that's it, you're done. And it's also like, if just doing the right thing isn't enough of an impetus for you, then um, yeah, worry about your reputation and worry about losing money. If that's, what, if that's what motivates you to change the way that you do things, I'm like, okay, <laughs> have that. But I think, you know? but I, had this, I had this debate with someone recently actually, because I said, yeah, for me, it's just do the right thing. And then someone said to me, yeah, but doing the right things is, means it's, it's so different to so many people. So for one business, doing the right thing may be we've got a DEI policy and we've got a no tolerance policy to discrimination. So that for us is that the right thing. And you go, you can see that that, that is the right thing, definitely. And, and I get that. And then, But to another person, the right thing is, no, we need to make sure that we've got mentoring for underrepresented groups of people so that they can get that so that they can work their way up to that to the top and that glass ceiling can be smashed and you go that's the right thing as well so do you know what I mean like the right thing is just so different for different people and that's why I always say about this work it's like it's not about saying that the right thing for everyone is the same it really isn't it's really about listening to your teams and listening to the people that work in your business it's all about communication listening listening intently and also Use the data to drive the decisions. Like, make sure you're listening to your teams. Make sure you're, you're you're monitoring what they're saying. Make sure you're collecting the data, and you're using that data to then move to the next step of your 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 journey, your your strategy. Because that's the only way that you can really know what the right thing is to do for your people at that time. And at every time that you do that that data collection, there are going to be different fires at different stages. So you're going to have to really learn how to adapt and move quickly. Um, and really keep your ears to the ground, uh, and that's what I think. That's how that's how you really do the right thing. If you could make one universal change that magically got implemented into every hospitality business across the land, what would that change be? 
um, have boards that are more rep uh, equally represented from all groups and all walks of life. Because I just believe that if you have a voice from all different, the major groups of pe of of different groups, you had different voices in the in on the board making decisions for businesses, that things would get better and there'd be more. Um, I don't know. There'd just be more equilibrium. Yeah, and if they actually reflected the employees and the society that we're in, that we live in, like and and, and like, because I could, I always say this to people. I'm always like. You know, if you have a if you have a business where you know you don't you, your restaurant isn't in a in a diverse in a diverse location, then fine. You know, then I do think that you have to reflect the society and the communities in which you're serving in, um, and I think that's that's really important. It should be reflected all the way through your business, not just at the beginning. It should be all the way. Um, but yeah, that would be my that would be my thing. In the current um, like shit show economic climate. I think advocacy of any kind takes just an enormous amount of energy and optimism. And I'm interested in how you create circumstances for yourself to just keep on doing the work. I think I ha I'm very lucky to have a really amazing business partner. Like we've been friends for, for like over 15 years. And so we get each other in a way uh, and we challenge each other in a way and spark each other up in a, in a way that's just like no other. Um, and so that we kind of egg each other on, if that makes sense. Um, I also think um, until I see a significant difference to how I think people should be treated or the lack of rep that representation for me is like a big deal because I really feel like it, it, it really hindered me when I was trying to get my way through you know my career and until I see that representation I'm not going to feel like I've accomplished what I needed to accomplish um, and like I said at the beginning like that feeling that I had at TGI Fridays that that when I was working there I just want to recreate that feeling for everyone that works in hospitality because if we did everyone would want to come and work in hospitality do you know what I mean like and so I, I guess I'm um, it's a it's a mixture of having an amazing business partner who gets me and I get her and having that that idea of what I'm trying to achieve with this work and what we're trying to achieve with this work and that feeling that I still have inside me to like try and recreate that feeling I had at TGI Fridays all that encompassed is what really continues to drive me and obviously just having the, a great support center like I have an amazing partner who just like you can't I can't you can't do this work without having champions like my partner champions me my parents champion me like I've got so many champions in my corner that they're always pushing me and driving me and I feel like without that I just couldn't I couldn't do it I really couldn't and a good therapist <laughs> <laughs> um okay these are gonna be quick fire first thing that comes to mind what's your favorite sauce mayonnaise no sweet chili Mayonnaise and sweet chili together. What's your favourite view in London? Uh, the Shard. If you could eat at one restaurant for the rest of your life, what restaurant are you eating at? Oh, my Lord. Something in the... Uh, like, you know, what's it called? Gloria's. That whole group. Is it? What's the group mm -hmm. called? Mm -hmm. the, the um, Big Sister, Big Mama. Big Mama. Any mm. restaurant in the Big Mama group, I would go and eat there any, every day because I just love that. I love the food. I love Italian. I love Italian food. Um, but yeah, that probably be it. That was, that was hard. That was really hard. <laughs> What's your favourite dessert? Anything with chocolate in it. 
Who's your dream dinner guest? Oprah. And this one isn't quick fire. You can answer it as long as you like. Anything to shout out? What's going on with Sisu? If you want to check out what we're all about at Sisu, then check our website out. It's www.thisissisu.co.uk. Um, we also launched our podcast um, last month um, and it's called On the Sofa with Sisu and that is available on Apple, Spotify and on YouTube. We would please ask that you rate us and subscribe to the YouTube channel um, and if you just want to book in a discovery call just to have a conversation and find out how we can support you then just drop us an email at info at um, and look out on our socials um, for our event coming up this summer. We are looking to organise an event. We did one last year. It was a, a huge success. I cried on stage. Um, and we're looking to recreate that this year. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. Um, our socials are at This Is Sisu on all platforms. We're also going to link the podcast, the website, and the socials in the description box for this episode. So if you do want to check them out and go that way, you're more than welcome to. Um, Olajide, this was such a pleasure. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. I could have talked to you for the next three hours. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. It's very cathartic, isn't it, talking to someone that's in your space and just like, just spilling the tea and just going, yeah, the world is shit, but we're trying to make the world a better place. It's been a wonderful way to end the day. Um, Thank you so, so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Beyond the Past is produced by Kelly's Cause Foundation. For more information about Kelly's Cause, please head to kellyscause.com or find us on Instagram at kellyscause.